Greetings to all of you who are part of the Home Run Club. Let me just say that it is so encouraging when I see many of you, you will say you took time to listen to the CD, took time to listen to the little podcast, and it really ministered to your spirit. And so thank you for taking time to partner with us here and listen to the thoughts that we share and to grow as a family. We are so grateful for that. And I want you to know that As I come to you this month, here we are, April 2021. Man, oh man, it's coming, baby. Summertime, warmer weather, I can't wait. But as we enter this time, it's also a season of continuing to battle through a lot of the chaos that we have faced as a society. And for me, I got to tell you, I have been diving more and more into looking at God's Word and then taking that a step deeper, looking at the red letters of God's Word. In other words, specific things that Jesus said, I'm finding that to be so solid, so good, so helpful. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to break down Jesus sharing the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if you realize this, but at the age of 30, this was his first message. He had spent the night in prayer, and this is his first message. He would minister for three years on this earth. And this was the first big moment of him preaching to his disciples and to a multitude. And in this message, I just picked up a lot of things that applied to my life, and I think you'll discover they apply to your life as well. Finishing with the thought that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, oh, I can't wait for you to hear that part. So I'm going to have you join me now as I share this message live, and I pray God will minister to you as you listen. Thank you again for being a partner with us. I feel a heavy weight uh, to share this message today. I've been preaching a long time, and there are times when I get up to preach that I know uh, what I'm saying. I'm very responsible for saying it the right way. And today is one of those days. Today's a day where I don't know what your life's like. Um, I don't know how you came in here. I'm guessing some of you, if you had to describe your life right now, you would describe it as a serene lake uh, without a ripple. Uh, Birds are chirping over on the sides. Others of you might be describing your life today as a tumultuous waterfall um, with spray going all over you and you're not sure when the water's going to stop. I don't know. I was with Doug on the phone just a few minutes ago. We were praying for each other. He's driving right now to where he's going to preach. And we prayed that each of us would communicate clearly God's Word in a powerful way because I got to tell you, just for me, I can speak for me... um, I feel a great responsibility these days to communicate solid truth to you. Uh, We live in a time and in a season where you don't get a lot of truth, or if you do get truth, you wonder if it really is truth. And those of you watching online, I, I welcome you. The house is full here this morning, and I'm praying that the Lord will speak to your heart. I, I'm going to ask you to verbally respond to a question I'm going to ask you. I'm not asking you to listen to Dan Seaborn this morning. Um, It's going to be very important as I preach this morning. You need to know, I'm not trying to make any political statements. I'm not trying to speak into any social issues. I'm not trying to give you my thoughts or my opinions. You may say, that's your thought or opinion. It may come across that way. You need to know, I have utterly no goal in this message other than pointing you toward Jesus Christ. That's my goal. If I fail in that, it's on me. 
because I'm doing my best to communicate that. And all I want to do, even those of you online, I'm going to ask you to verbally respond to this question. Will you today, as an audience, as a group online, will you open your heart and listen for what Jesus would say into your soul? If you would, would you simply say yes? yes. Awesome. The world's answer to everything that we face and everything that we go through is, could be used the term, we could just use the term a stimulus. That's the world's answer. The world's answer to everything is somehow to give you something that makes you feel better about yourself or helps you deal with the things you're dealing with. That, that's the world's answer because the world will never tell you about a spiritual savior named Jesus. It just won't happen. So if you eliminate that, if you don't believe there's a God, the best I can ever hope to do is stimulate you just a little bit somehow in some way. Makes sense to me. I don't bring you a stimulus package this morning. I bring you some words that are eternal. Some words that even if you got to the end and there's nothing there in your own life, these words will ring true. Is there anybody in the audience today, even online, you can raise your hand if you'd like to, I won't be able to see you. But if you're in the audience and you're 30 years old, 29, 30, 31, will you raise your hand really high, just real quick, just raise your hand up really high. Look around you guys, find somebody around you that's 30, 31, just look at their face. That's how old Jesus was when he wrote the sermon, when he shared the sermon on the mount. That's how old he was. See, we get this picture of Jesus. Well, old man. No, he didn't make it to but 33. 30 years old. Today, I'm going to share with you straight up words of Jesus. They aren't my words. I'm going to share with you the words of Jesus when he was 30 years old. I don't know how far I'm going to get into this message. He said eight phrases on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you need to know this is the beginning of his ministry. He was around 30. He did this till he's about 33 and then he was killed. So his ministry on earth was about 33 years. And at the age of 30, Jesus was taken out into the desert and tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And he did not eat. And the Bible says, as you know, at the end of that, and he was hungry. Duh. He leaves that scenario and he goes over and he gets his 12 disciples. And then the Bible says he spent the night in prayer, I just pause a second to ask you, how long has it been since you carried such a burden for something that you spent the entire night? Not, not you stayed awake because you were anxious. Mm -mm. It doesn't say, and Jesus couldn't sleep that night because he was just worried. It doesn't say that. It says he spent the night, intentionally chose to pray all night. How long has it been since you prayed all night? Shoot, I can remember when I pastored full-time at a church, we would just try to get people to do a prayer chain, and we wanted to go a whole weekend. It's hard to get people to sign up from 1 to 2, 2 to 3, 3 to 4. And Jesus prayed 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to 5 to 6 to 7. I just want you to see his commitment to saving us. I want y'all to get this. He knew his purpose on earth was to save us. Let me translate that for you. He gives us today a purpose on this earth to get closer to him and to lead people to him. That's why we ultimately are on the earth. And I'm calling you to a deeper meaning today, and here's why. I believe for what is coming in the days ahead, whether it's one year or a thousand years, I do not know. 
I need to prep you to be strong in Jesus. Not in this world, not in its stimulus packages. Enjoy those. Go buy yourself something that passes. I want to challenge you today to get deeper, richer, thicker in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He spent the night in prayer. And then the Bible says, and this is recorded, by the way, in Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6. You can go read the two stories. One, a tax collector. One, a doctor wrote these two stories. You'll see the different details of how they write them. And the Bible says that Jesus sat down. He'd been praying all night, and he literally, the Bible says, sat down to teach. <laughs> it's not very often we preachers walk out. We stand up. Jesus sat down. He's probably weary probably tired, and then he shared, and it's just going to come up on the screen. I'm just going to give you Jesus' words. I'm going to share a few thoughts about them. Let's see where it goes. Jesus looked out at the multitudes, the large crowd gathered. And Jesus started with this phrase. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Throughout biblical history, God's people have been tortured, They've been needy, they've been oppressed, they've been slaves. I mean, you, you pick it. They've been poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means I am at a place in my life where I got nothing left at the bottom of my well but Jesus to rely on. That's what it means. See, when you're rich and you have a lot of stuff, you really kind of don't think you need a lot. I, I speak sometimes, God's given me opportunity to go. I remember Jane and I went to speak at this one particular place. And I mean, just walking in, this place was loaded with stuff. I mean, all the, all the little anemones you would want and, and all the things that I would like to eat. And, and what would you like tonight for dinner? Just name it, Dan, we'll cook it for you. And I'm going, man, this is nice. I, I really don't need a lot when I got all this. And when you... When you're just loaded wealthy, it's why the Bible says it's really hard for the rich of this world to understand the powerful kingdom of God. It's not that you can't, but it's hard because you tend to rely on your stuff. And I remember speaking to this group of people. They were so stinking wealthy. All these people were multimillionaires. I remember even as I spoke going, they're not getting it. I remember thinking that. I compare that to the times the Lord has taken me a place where the people are so broken and hurting they hardly have anything to eat. Those people literally as I speak, I remember watching them. They're sitting on the edge of their seats like, I need more of whatever this is because I got nothing else. Today, if, if you are here and you're poor in spirit, and you go, Dan, I've tried everything, and, and I don't know what else to do, and, and I, I, don't, I don't have any answers. Everything I've tried has fallen, and I'm at the bottom of the well, and there's no water here, and I'm just bone dry. I'm bone dry, Jesus says. His kingdom is yours. And I, know, I want you to notice, it doesn't say could be yours or will in the future be yours. It's, it, Jesus' words are saying it's here for you now. You can get a taste of heaven today. And I'll only speak for me. I'll only speak for me this morning. I need that. 
This stinking world wears me out. It's why I think Jesus spent the night in prayer. Because I think Jesus is praying, God, the Father, you sent me down here. These people just aren't getting it, man. I mean, I traveled with mom and dad down there, and then we, we went all the way to the temple, and from that day forward, Lord, I just, these people don't get, they think the world's answers are going to fix them. God, Father in heaven, help me communicate this message so that a lost world gets it. And I, I got to tell you this morning, inside me, when I finish this message, I can go ahead and tell you I'm going to drive home feeling like I did not hit the ball out of the park because I can't get out what I'm feeling this morning. This world's answers, listen to me, everyone in this room and everyone online, this world's answers will not satisfy you. They will leave you even feeling more desperate and lonely. And it leads me right to the second thing that Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's almost like, man, you look at Jesus' message and go, this is kind of a downer. He's talking about the oppressed and the needy. Now he's going to those who are mourning and crying. Yeah, you know why? Because he came for those people. And what we don't even sometimes realize is we're all that person. Those really wealthy people that I told you, that I spoke to, and I, I know I've shared about that a little bit before, that, that really wealthy group that I spoke to was hilarious to me. We were in a setting where there were some little side rooms and side corners, and I remember two or three guys, hey, psst, hey, speaker, Dan, hey, you speaker guy, me multi-billionaire, hey, speaker guy, psst, can, can we walk over here a second? And they take me in this little side room, close the door, look, make sure none of their friends are looking, hey, I'm really hurting, can you help me, man? Every one of us, even those of us who think we have all the answers, privately we're going, I ain't got all the answers. I'm worn. I hurt. And at first glance, when you see the phrase, blessed are those who mourn, the obvious thing that comes to our mind is those of us who have had loss. Those of us who are hurting. Those of us who have lost a child. I, I specifically, in preparation for this message and this point, I went to a lady, friend of mine, who has lost a child. And I said to her, can I just talk to you about that a second? I said, you, to me, when it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I said, you, you have to, having lost a child, I, I personally think beyond losing a spouse, beyond losing a parent, beyond all that stuff, losing a child to me. I'm only speaking for me on this topic. But that seems to me to be one of the most difficult things a person could ever have to face. And I said to her, did you have moments when, when no matter what was said to you, you just couldn't be comforted? And, and this person responded to, and I know some situations that happened with them where they said, yeah, yeah. The things even people say to you sometimes, they just don't comfort. In fact, they kind of bother you. If you're in here and you've lost a child, let, let me just say to you a comforting word to you is, well, God works all things out for good. Glory to those who love the Lord. God, God be with you. Let me touch you with some holy oil. There you go. Y'all good. I touched you. And if I've lost a child, I want to go, can you get your finger off of me right now? I lost my child. 
And the only way you can find comfort, and this is what the lady told me, there were days, just Jesus. Just him assuring me he's got me was what brought me comfort. Today, there's somebody here who's mourning. Somebody online, you're mourning something, some loss. It's overwhelmed you. you you've, been, you've been stopped. I know people who have literally been stopped in their track. Their life seemed to stop right there. And, and they almost built an altar right here of going, I can't move forward. I'm stuck here. And I would say to you, only Jesus will get you to a place where you can take another step. And Jesus said, blessed are you who mourn. This is his promise. I'll comfort you. Not Dan will comfort you. No, some pastor. No, church program. Get involved in a church program. That'll comfort you. No, Jesus didn't say anything about get involved and make more donations. He didn't say that. He said, there's going to be times in your life where only I can help you take that step. See, this is not a message you will hear in the world. The world will say, we'll hand you 1400 bucks. And then we'll add another 600 to that. And then we're hoping, we're hoping there might be another one. Though I didn't realize there eventually comes a cliff. But the point is, the point is, that stuff does not ultimately comfort us. If it did, the really wealthy guy would not say, psst, hey, psst, psst. he could buy me if he wanted to. But he, he didn't know how to deal with what he's got going on in there because and then I want to shift for a second. This passage and this particular phrase, blessed are those who mourn, has a deeper meaning that I need to show you that's actually in the text. Jesus is speaking here also of the mourning I was telling you that he had when he was sitting, talking to God the Father, saying, they don't get it. He wept. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, I weep. David said, I weep because I see the people do not want to follow your law. There is a mourning. And I got to tell you, I am not significant in this world. I'm just a little nobody. I get it, etc. But I got to tell you, in the last month, I've had two or three times either sitting in my office, something said to me, just out and about, that I, I personally have just, I've been mourning for this world. Maybe I'm just getting old. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something where I, I physically felt really almost sick to my stomach when this came on television. And, and don't take it, do not, I told you at the beginning, do not turn this into a political message. I could care less. You can send me 5,000 emails. I promise you after this message, I will not read them. I promise you I won't read them. Because I want to communicate something to you. I mourned so deeply. I was sitting in my chair. I had finished a long day of work. I was relaxing. I was on eBay looking at something ball cart. I like to look at ball carts. I, I'm on there just kind of, and a, a commercial came on TV. The screen started dark, and then it started with this. Hope. The, the words came like this. Hope has arrived. That's what the words were. And I looked up like, oh, man, what's this? And it was about the vaccine. And I, do not send me emails. This is not about the vaccine. I probably will get that. I, I'll choose. Everybody gets to decide what you do, okay? 
I'm not standing up here saying one thing about this, that, that, that. Don't, don't, please listen to my point. I was so sad going, oh my goodness. That is a lost world's hope. Their hope is a vaccine. If I laid the vaccine shot on this table and I laid another table on this stage and I put Jesus on this table and a vaccine shot on this table, our world runs to this table. Let me just say to you, I sit there and I'm, I'm mourned because th this is what happened in my spirit. Hope has not arrived. Hope has been here all along. Hope is Jesus Christ. Hope is Jesus. Because at the end of the, get, get all the vaccines you can get. At the end of this life, you, there is no vaccine that keeps you from dying. You, you're going to get to 160. You lived 160 and you've had 50 billion. And this is not anti-vaccine. Do not use it. Do not take a clip. <laughs> Do you dare take a clip of this and say I'm anti-vaccine. That's not what this is about. Don't you do it. Somebody watching, your goal is to do it. You are, you, are, you are lying if you take this out of context. I believe vaccines are a wonderful thing, can help a lot of people. Do not write me an email about that. <laughs> My point is this, at the end of this life, you're going to die. What is your hope then? At the end of your life, let me tell you what hope looks like. Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, come to me, come and find me, because when this life is over, you will only have one hope. And that's what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. I am, oh my goodness, my time's up. Are you serious, guys? Do I have a little more time? Oh, I'm good? Oh, wow, okay, okay. Sorry. Okay, I'm just looking up there. Yeah, because I got, I got another hour. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going to finish the message. I'm going to take my time and finish the message. Because the next service is 11.15, right? Oh, we got plenty of time. <laughs> I want everybody in here to understand at the end of this life, your hope is Jesus Christ. That you have him in your life as Lord and Savior. I'm dead serious about this, man. Because Jesus is telling you, if you look at this world and, and you hurt, for, I, I hurt for this world. I look and I watch, I watch them run in chaotic circles trying to figure out how to fix things. And what I want to say is stop running in circles. Stop chasing your tail. Stop and think about it. What really will help you be prepared for the end of your life or whatever comes or however much chaos comes in the years ahead? What will prepare you to deal with that? One word. Jesus and that's what he was saying and I know there's somebody listens and, and you're thinking to yourself I, I don't get what you mean L let me explain it a little bit he gives you peace in the middle of circumstances that you don't even understand where the peace is coming from he gives you comfort that it's his own words he said I am here to bring you comfort comfort 
And I want you today to turn to him. I don't want you to finish your life without knowing this Jesus. Anybody looking or watching online, even those anti-God would look at, well, Dan, of course, you're preaching to your own audience. These people believe. I hope this message get out and gets planted somewhere that the people of this world look at it. Even if you're anti-me, you don't even like preachers. Okay. Would you consider what I'm saying to be a possibility? Would you consider Jesus? Would you look at the two tables and go, I've tried this one. It did give me some short-term peace, but I'm going to try this one and just see if it's satisfied. If you've never tried it, would you try it? Because Jesus will comfort you in ways that nothing else can. The third thing Jesus said is this. It's coming up on the screen. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Don't confuse the word meek with the word it rhymes with, weak. Don't confuse the two. Let me give an illustration of it. In the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 2, it says that Moses, you ready? The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. We hear that and we go, what a weakling. I was listening to Chuck Swindoll talk about this this very week, and he said, you know, Moses, uh, people think of, oh, yeah, he's probably this little frail. When we hear meek, we go, oh, I feel so bad for that little, that meek little man. That's not what meek means. Meek means inner strength. By the way, the whole Beatitudes means a contentment and a peace in here, inside here, that is not affected by anything out here. Moses led thousands upon thousands. Moses put the Ten Commandments together. Moses led armies into incredible battles, and he was meek. He would have said things like this. Okay, everybody, let's get the armies ready for battle. It's coming today, so let's charge. And they would have been, get them ready. Now, see, that's not, Mitch is like, get the armies, we charge! <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I don't look at Mitch and go, now, there's a meek little man. But don't underestimate, underestimate that because sometimes meekness is down in here and you don't see it. Meekness means I lead with kindness. I lead with love. I lead with an inner peacefulness. I just flat out lead. If you choose not to follow, no problem, but we're going forward. Come on. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. I am meek and lowly. Remember that song? Jesus was meek. He was not timid. He was not scared. He was humbly leading. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In other words, this world that says it's all about, have y'all, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but people love power on this earth. And they'll do about anything to get it. And Jesus said, you don't need to chase it that way. 
Know that you have the power. It resides inside. Like it's already in there because I put it in there. The world doesn't need to vote to give you power. You have the power because you have me. That's a different type of leadership. Jesus didn't run around looking for votes. He had nothing to do with that. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. You people are chasing something that I am not leading you toward. I'm leading you toward individual independence in me. Power that is not containable. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount was about. And then he said, and I'll close with this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. The Greek word, saturated. Saturated. So full of Jesus that you are just saturated. It is pouring out of you. When people pick you up, when they watch your life, they just go, man, you're dripping. Do you see you're dripping Jesus everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, I see it. And you realize you're making a mess right now? No, I'm dripping Jesus. <laughs> Saturated. And, and, and then when people squeeze you, started Steve, oh, Steve going somewhere? Oh, yeah, okay. When, when, when now, look, look, people squeeze you, guess what comes out? More Jesus. But now watch this. Now watch this. If I leave this out of the water for a while, the winds of this earth will dry it out. It won't take long. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes after you wash your car outside, what do you do with the sponge? Lay it outside to dry out. So if you're going to hunger and thirst for Jesus, you can go out and do what he calls you to do, but get back in that water quick. Get back to the place where he, he saturates you. The other day I was sitting on my, it was actually last Sunday. The Bible says hunger and thirst for righteousness. I, I want to just kind of explain it a little bit, okay? Because I'm guessing today you guys do hunger and thirst for Jesus some. But not like it's as important as it really is. I was sitting on my couch last Sunday. Jane was out of town. And I was sitting on my couch, and I all of a sudden just wanted Penn Station. I wanted a Penn Station sandwich. I wanted to die. I just, I just wanted that mm, steak and all that just sounded so good. And I'm sitting on my couch. It's around noon. I was like, I'm going to drive and get one. It's about a 30-minute drive for me to get to Penn Station. But it felt worth it because, doggone it, I want that sandwich. And it just, I, the thought of it sounded so good because I was hungering and thirsting for Penn Station. Got in my car, drove 30 minutes, pulled into the parking lot. Closed. <laughs> this is not Chick-fil-A, people. This is Penn Station. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. I know that, but... Penn Station was closed. I sit in the parking lot going, oh man. And then I, I thought, I'll drive over to Panera Bread. They got a sandwich like that. I went in Panera Bread, sat down, ordered the sandwich they had, ate it. Not against Panera Bread, but it didn't touch that one. And I was like, oh my word, this is it. This world, we hunger and thirst 
for the things. I know if I could get more. And we drive all the way across the country to get so-and-so. And when we get it, we don't like it or they're closed. And Jesus said, if you will do and put in the same effort Dan Seaborn, if you'll put in the... You got off your couch, you got in your car, you drove 30 minutes. What, when's the last time you did that for me, Seaborn? When's the last time you hungered and thirsted so much for me that you get up out of your seat and you go do something different because you want Jesus that much? Like this morning, how bad do you want him? Do you want to, do you want to drip him? Then you got to get in him. You don't drip him by just hanging out. Saturated. I'm going to do the second half of this sermon next time I come. I got to stop now because we do have to let other people in. I want you to leave here wanting Jesus. I want, I want you to put as much effort into getting close to him as you do that other stuff. Hey, some of you put as much effort into writing a journal thought to him as you do posting something on Facebook. Christians, it's time for us to step up. Those who are lost and see this world as your answer, it's time for you to understand there's a greater purpose. I, I'm trying to preach this message out of love. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus is your hope. And I, my words are inadequate for what I feel in my heart today, but I'm hoping that you at least see that our Savior Jesus, when he spoke these words, it was because he wanted us to know a different way. He is the way. Lord, I bow my head to pray today for all of us, starting with me. I chase the pin stations of this world looking for something that will satisfy my stomach when what I really need is more of you to satisfy my soul. Hope has arrived and it's in the name of Jesus. You've been here all along waiting to meet our needs. I pray today, man, I'm thinking about a teenage girl who's sitting here and she's been struggling. I pray today she would get a glimpse, a taste like the woman at the well, just a little bit of taste of Jesus and say, oh my goodness, that seems to satisfy me. I pray for one of those guys that's loaded like the dude that took me in the corner room who's sitting here going, I got it all, but I got nothing. Jesus, take my simple words today. Multiply your words in the hearts of those who have listened. And I pray that something would be different as we leave here today in the life of all of us. That we would hunger and thirst for what matters. And that people would see that difference in our life and you'd get us real solid for the days ahead. Would you join me in standing? We're going to worship this last song. It's just going to draw us into worship. Those of you online, thank you for listening. I pray today God has spoken to your heart. Let's worship together. Mitch will come up and close us out in prayer. But just soften your heart. Whatever he said to you in this message, take it and apply it. And let's let him use our lives. Adam.
Thanks so much for taking time to share this moment with me. Again, I pray wherever you are, however you're listening, that this time of reflecting on what Jesus' words were is a great encouragement to you. Thanks for continuing to pray for us at Winning at Home as things open back up. We are so looking forward to getting back to whatever new normal is and getting our offices back to a place where people are comfortable coming in and being a part of the ministry that's happening on a day-to-day basis. We so much appreciate your prayers. You need to know that on May the 1st, we will be having our first premarital event we've had for a while. Obviously, COVID shut us down a bit last year, and so this will be the first event we're doing where we're trying to make it available for everyone to come and be a part of this day where we help people prep for marriage that is ahead. So, Consider being a part of that or pass it along to those who you might know who are getting married and let them know the details can be found on our website, winningathome.com. And we thank you so much again for partnering with us. Bless you, and may your April be blessed and have the Lord's favor upon it. Thanks again for partnering with us and supporting our ministry.